Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says this, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall need of, eat, not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, you may, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Father God, we're grateful, we're thankful that as we stand here, we're not standing on our own. We're really standing on the foundation of Jesus Christ. You are the one that enables a person to stand, and God, we're grateful. And we're grateful that we're on the verge of breakthrough. We're grateful that all your promises are yes and amen. God, we're grateful that you have good and not evil in store for us. So God, in this moment as we wait, God, we don't wait, God, in fear. We don't wait in frustration. We wait in anticipation, knowing that you are getting ready to open heaven over our lives. But God, we're not going to wait for a breakthrough to say thank you. God, in this moment, we give you the praise. We give you the adoration. We say that you are our king. You are our Lord. Speak to us, we pray. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen and amen and amen. Come on, can you shout amen? Can y'all shout amen? Can y'all give it just a good hearty? Come on now, amen. I'm going to preach this message at the speed you drive when you thought your spouse was going to pick the kids up from daycare and you forgot that it was your time to get there and uh, you got to get there before they give you an additional fee. Uh, that's how fast we're going to preach this. But I'm pumped. I'm excited. We started a series last week called I Think I Like People. I think I like people. I'm not quite sure. I'm not fully committed. I'm kind of like 50-50, Megan. But I think I like people. And the whole idea of this series is that with all that's going on with the stay-at-home order and COVID-19, there's this whole idea of social distancing, of keep six feet apart, and, and I believe in all that, and all that's healthy, and we're going to flatten the curve and all that other good stuff, but, but I, I, I'm concerned that we will actually get into a position, actually not get into it, we were kind of there already, where we remain distanced from people even after the fact that it's not a health concern that we get so locked in, so focused on what I'm building with my spouse, with my kids, with my career, with my, my dreams and all that other good stuff, that we miss the fact that you will never maximize your life without relationship with other people. God, I don't know why he did this, but he set us up that we literally cannot fulfill our destiny. Here's what I've discovered. Any dream that God's given you that you can accomplish by yourself is not a dream from God. Anything that you say, this is what I want to see my life become, let me just help you. You ain't got to pray about it. If you can do it by yourself, it's not from God. Because God will always give you something that is bigger than you. God will always give you something that puts you in position of connecting with other people. If you remember in Scripture, he said he's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. In other words, he is a generational God. He is a, a multifaceted God. He is not just committed to you. He is committed to the entire world. He wants to see you connected with 
other people. The problem is not many people believe that. They just feel like, man, as long as I got me and my goals and my ambitions and all that other good stuff, I can accomplish that. I, I want to preach a message today. And this may seem sacrilegious, but I want to preach a message today in order of the Jordan documentary called Who's Your Starting Five? Who's Your Starting Five? If you, if you kind of follow the whole scandal or drama around the dream team, and you may not be a basketball fan, don't worry. I'm going to give you just enough information so that you can keep up with what we're talking about. The 1992 Olympic basketball team was the first time they allowed professionals into the Olympics. Prior to that, they had college players playing in the Olympics. It was the first time they allowed professionals in the Olympics, and they think it was the best basketball team ever assembled in the history of the world. Let's see if I know my basketball history. So we had Magic at point guard, uh, Jordan at shooting guard. Oh, here's where I get in trouble. I know, oh, Larry Bird, got it. Small, I was worried. Larry Bird, small forward. Uh, Barkley, power forward. Patrick Ewing at center. And the whole big scandal was Jordan said, I'm not playing if Isaiah's on the team. I want nothing to do with Isaiah Thomas. Isaiah Thomas is on the team, then I'm not playing. And no offense to Isaiah Thomas, but if you have to pick between Michael Jordan and Isaiah Thomas, you're going to pick Michael Jordan, I'm just saying. And, and, and they made sure that they put the best team they possibly could put together. And what these there were people on the bench, but no offense to people on the bench, they didn't really matter. What these starting five players were able to do is what no other team has ever done. Now, obviously, you know, Jordan has all these rings, and he hit game-winning shot after game-winning shot. There weren't any game-winning shots with the, with the Dream Team because they won by like 30 points and 40 points and 50 points. Matter of fact, in that Olympics, and I'm just, I know half of the church is Nigerian, so this is all for the Nigerians, the U.S. team played Nigeria, and Nigeria was taking pictures of Jordan while they were down by 40 points. And after they lost, instead of saying, oh man, we lost, they said, can you sign my jersey? Can you sign my, I mean, they annihilated the competition. What am I trying to say? Who is your starting five? Who are the people, the confidants, the friends around you that because they're on your team, you're not just going to eke by in a victory in your marriage or raising your kids or with your faith or, or, or building your business or whatever, but it's going to be an overwhelming victory. Today, I want to teach you how do I build deep relationships? How do I build real relationships? In, in, in this passage that we were reading in, in Genesis chapter 3, we find Eve in an interesting position. Here she is in what appears to be a conversation with the serpent that we later find out is the enemy, and Adam is, is nowhere to be found. Now, I don't know if Adam was not there or if he was just silent, but all we know is that Eve is here having this conversation, and she is doing it in isolation from the counsel of another human. Now, this is kind of the time where, where men like to say, you know, women ruin the whole world. If, if Eve had not eaten that mango, and you've heard me preach before, it definitely was a mango, not an apple, because an apple has never tempted anybody to destroy the world. A Haitian mango, though, will get you there. But, but this is where men like to say, you know, women have destroyed the whole world. They were weak. She was weak. She, she didn't have a good resolve. And this is where we like to remind men that Eve was taken from man's rib. So all that Eve was actually came from a man. So you can't really blame her because what was in her was in, it was a temptation to mankind. 
And here is Eve, and, and, and she's talking to the, the, the serpent. And it's so interesting. The Bible says that the serpent was more cunning than any other beast on the field. He, he came and he pretended to be a friend. He looked like, like, like he wasn't a foe, like he was on her side. Oh, come on now. He was so sweet. He was a little slimy, but, but he's a good guy. And oh, my gosh, like he talks about God. Like, I mean, we were just up all night just talking about, like, he so challenged me in my faith. <laughs> Pray for me. I need help. Can I just say love? I don't know why I'm looking back here. I'm having so much fun, though. Do you know when Satan said, did God really say? It is the first time God had ever been called God. Come on now. In all of Genesis 2, whenever Adam and Eve referred to God, whenever Scripture referred to God in Genesis 2, they referred to him as the Lord God. Not, not just God, but the controller, the Lord of my life. It's not until Satan came in with saying, like, I believe in God, he's just not my Lord. I, I know that he is God, but he's not the controller of my life. And here is Eve having a conversation, questioning everything she has ever known by life, and she is doing it by herself. As we talked about last week, the entire purpose that Eve was created is so that isolation wouldn't be on the earth. God looked at Adam and he said, it is not good for mankind to be alone. And here comes Eve so that Adam wouldn't be alone. And then in the time when she needed somebody to lean on the most, Adam could have been standing right there. I don't know. All I know is that she didn't refer to somebody else in the moment where she needed to the most. Here, here's what breaks my heart. The majority of people I encounter either don't have godly friends that they can lean on in the moment when they need it the most, or they have those friends and they choose not to. It, it, it blows my mind, Mandela. Can I just talk for a moment as we're launching Connect Groups today? How Connect Group hosts will have people over to their house that's pre-pandemic or, or on a Zoom call or whatever, praying for people, encouraging until they go through a crisis until they have a loved one that's sick, until they have a job loss or whatever it may be. And then in the time when you need somebody the most, you find yourself, whether it's because you don't want to be judged or whatever it may be, not leaning into the safety net that God created for you. I am telling you, it is not good that you do life alone. You need people in your corner. So I want to give you, we're, we're, this is going to be a quick message. It's a complete lie. But uh, I have five points. I normally preach three points, and even the three points aren't short. I have five points today. We're going to blaze through these. But I want to teach you how to develop deep relationships. And not everybody in your life is going to be a deep friend. And please don't take this message and say, hey, you're not my starting five. So number six through 15 gets cut off. I'm not saying to cut off. You still need a bench. You still need other people. And here's the other thing don't do before we start. Don't post your starting five. Because I guess, oh, pastor preached today. I'm so glad for him. Here's why you can't post your starting five. Because there's six, seven, eight that thought they were your starting five. And this is not the way we want them to find out that they're not in your starting five. So you just keep this internally. Keep it in your notes. Don't post it. But I'm going to give you just a couple thoughts. Oh, this is just perfect. Five points for your starting five. That's easy. Here, first one is this. Write this down. Write this down. Pick your team. Don't let them pick you. 
The first step, pick your team, don't let them pick you. Do you remember the trauma of middle school? You, 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 you remember picking teams? It, it was traumatic. And, and, and I don't know if it was traumatic for you. You guys might be athletic and you may always got picked. It was traumatic for me because I was just a little more slight than uh, the rest of the people on the court. I remember, you know, it, it wasn't until middle school where my mom or my dad would let me walk all the way to the basketball court with my friends, and, and I'd go there, and I'd see all the high school boys, and they're, you know, dunking and all that, and we're just standing on line, and this is what I'm trying to, you know, trying to be a man, you know what I mean? So you, you can't be scared. You can't be a punk. So you, you go up to the court, and you're like, who, who got next? <laughs> you got next? Ain't nobody talking to you. Everybody's ignoring you. Who got next? And, and, and nobody said anything. But when that game was over, five other just walked on as if you weren't standing there. And it's like, I mean, almost dark at night. You've seen 12 games go by, and finally you're like, we got next. We got. You just step in there and just hope nobody punches your lights out. So after all the good players have gone on, they're picking teams. And it's that moment where the two captains are saying, I, I got him. I got him. I got him. And, and I was never a captain, so I, I was the victim that stood on the sidelines. And you, you, here's how you get picked. You have a ball in your hand, and you just, you know, you're just dribbling while you wait to pick. So you can show them you got some handles, you know what I mean? You just, just, you just, you just, you're just begging, please, please pick me, please, please pick me. And, and here's what I find for so many people when it comes to their friendships, they're like the little middle schooler on the side hoping to get picked. Please pick me, please pick me, please pick me. Why, why is that your best friend? Well, you know, we met freshman year, and we hit it off. We've just been close. They, they've, they've been loyal to me. They've had my back or, or whatever it may be. Hear me. Don't be the middle schooler on the side waiting to be picked. You need to be the captain that is picking your team. And you need a pick based on more than just loyalty. Man, we've known each other since, they've been down since freshman year. Man, we met them at orientation and work or whatever it may be. It blows my mind how the number one and sometimes the only thing people look for is loyalty. Man, they, they got my back. Here's what I think about loyalty. Loyalty is to friendship like tires are to a car. Tires to a car, what are you saying? It is very important to have tires on a car. You're actually not moving the car without tires. But if you're trying to buy a car, how many people know you're going to look for a little bit more than just tires? <laughs> you, you, does it have an engine? <laughs> is there a leak? How many miles are on? Listen, loyalty is great. Loyalty is important. But you need to be looking for a little bit more than just do they have my back if you're going to choose to do life with them. Can I give you some things that you're looking for? Actually, just two things. One thing you're looking for is, is this person's life moving forward? Have they plateaued? Have they stalled out? Or are they moving forward? Here's some areas. Are they moving forward spiritually? Do they love God more today than they did six months ago or, or 12 months ago? Are they moving forward spiritually? Here's another one. Are they moving forward intellectually? I keep on looking back at you guys. This is where all the laughs are. You ever talk to somebody... And you just had this thought, I'm pretty sure we had this conversation before. I'm pretty sure we talked about this exact thing before. Matter of fact, it was like what? Last week where we had, is there anything? You want people that are not just done growing, but they're growing every single day intellectually, that they're pursuing more, that they see more, that they, ex you want people that are moving forward. You want people that are moving forward vocationally. 
And when I say vocationally, I don't just mean their job or their career, but I mean their purpose in their life. I'll say it this way. I want people in my starting five that they're further ahead in life than they were this time last year. That they may not have built their empire, may not have taken over the world, but there's more to them. There's more that they've accomplished. There's more progress than they've made. They're not still talking about starting to blog. They actually started it. <laughs> and they actually wrote one more than, more than one episode. You, you don't have episodes on blogs, do you? What, what do you have it? What do you call it? Articles, articles, whatever it is. They've actually moved forward. I'm looking for people that have moved forward in life. Here's the second thing I'm looking for. I'm looking for people that are grounded. People that are grounded emotionally. That they don't have really high highs and really low lows and that neither last too long. I feel like friendships are like a roller coaster. And at some point, it gets a bit much. I mean, I'm down for the ride, and, and I, we all have those moments where you need people to prop you up and people to, to bring you back down to planet Earth. But when it's just constant up and down and up and down and up and down, I'm going to start leaning over the side. I'm like, oh, this is a lot. I need people that are grounded emotionally. I need people that are grounded relationally. What does that mean? And I just said, hey, loyalty is not everything. Loyalty is not everything, but loyalty is something. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. <laughs> Pray for your pastor. I'm looking for people that you're actually committed to people and you don't see a person as a stepping stool to the next. Like, I'm only committed to you long enough till I can find somebody more important, somebody more influential, or somebody that can get me further to where I need to go. I need people that are grounded relationally. I'm looking for people that are grounded in their life trajectory. I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't care. It's an empty room. Y'all can't throw nothing at me anyway. Yeah. Ah. Rob, I'm going to get in trouble. I'll, I'll take it back to college because I know many of you are, are out of college. But you know those people, they had like 12 different majors in college. I got 15 credits towards 15 different degrees. No, 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 no. And if that's you, your best days are ahead of you because they're definitely not behind you. But hear me. I'm looking for people that are grounded in where your life is going, that you didn't start this business and stop and start that business and stop and start that relationship and stop and start this. No, 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 no. I know what God's called me to do, and I don't always get it back, right? And I have setbacks sometimes and all this, but I am actually going after something intentionally, and I'm not jumping side to side every moment. You may say, Pastor, that's intense. Like, that's a whole lot of expectation. Well, here's why. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. God says you need to be intentional about the people that you choose to do life with because who you choose to do life with will determine what your life looks like. If they're in fluctuation, you will be in fluctuation. If they're inconsistent, you will be inconsistent. But if they're moving forward, if they are grounded, that is what your life is going to be able to look like. Don't let your team pick you. Pick your team. The second thing is this. Be someone you would pick. So here's the truth. <laughs> I, I, I never got picked. Like the only time I got to play was when there was nobody. You know that Les so said. <laughs> You want to play? You ain't playing. You, don't, you, you ran five games. All right, I'll take Chandler. <laughs> I'm just so excited, man. I'm going to show my moves. I'm ready. Here's the reality, though. If I was the captain of the team, I wouldn't have picked me. 
I was like two feet shorter than everybody else. I mean, I was quick, but I was like that annoying ball player that just fouled too much because he couldn't do anything else. The reality is we want to pick other people, but we're not the type of person to be picked. I'm not just focused on who am I going to pick. I want to know, hey, am I the type of person? Watch this. You will only attract who you are. So if you're looking for godly people that are going forward in their faith, then you need to be a godly person that's going forward in your faith. If you're looking for people that are growing intellectually, vocationally, you're looking for people that are grounded, then you need to be grounded. Here's what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. It's uh So often we complain, and I was one of those people who complained, man, I just can't find any real people. I just can't find anybody that has my back. I just can't find any godly people that are, here's what I've discovered, you'll attract what you are. So if you're having trouble finding what you want, start with this, am I the type of person that would attract what I am looking for? I need to be somebody that I would want on my team. And I'll tell you, the biggest thing that we need to focus on that will keep us from being on other people's teams are the insecurities in our lives. So many of us, we have fears, we have anxieties, we have this concern of not being enough or failing or whatever it may be to the point where it begins to alter our demeanor. And I'm telling you, there is nothing that sabotages a relationship, a friendship more than insecurity. Because when I'm insecure, I'm consumed over will I be enough. So I can't actually be committed to that person because I see myself in competition with that person. I, I can't actually be committed to that person because I'm not quite sure if anything that I'm going after, if they get it, then I won't actually get it or whatever. Maybe here's what I've discovered, that if I am insecure about my own dreams coming to pass, I'll never truly be able to invest in someone else's. As long as I'm having this thought of, will I be enough? Will I make it? Will my business ever take off? Will I ever get married or whatever it may be? I'll never be able to celebrate somebody else because I'll be so consumed in what's going on in me. So here's what I've learned because I was that insecure person. I've learned to pretend to be secure even if you're not. So when I'm in that moment where I really want to tell them how great I am because I'm not quite sure they know, I have this thought of what would a secure person do in this situation? When I have that thought of, man, I really want to like just, just make fun of myself or act like I'm not that great or, or debase myself just because I don't want them to think that I'm arrogant. I, I don't do what I feel like doing. I said, hey, what would a secure person do in this situation and do that? I need to be a person that I would actually want on my team. I'm making progress. We're rocking our way through this. The third thing is this. Write this down. Invest beyond your comfort level. I said the biggest enemy of deep relationships is insecurity. Can I give you the, this is, this is kind of like my secret of how do you have real relationships? I talk to so many people and they say, man, I have a whole lot of friends but none of them are really deep relationships. They're all superficial. They're, they're not people that I, I, I would say I have a deep relationship with. Here's what you need to do. You need to invest in that relationship beyond your comfort level. There's an author by the name of Matthew Kelly, and he wrote a book called The Seven Levels of Intimacy. And, and it's so interesting as you read this book, The Seven Levels of Intimacy, he said the seventh level, the deepest level of intimacy is not physical intimacy. 
And you would think the most intimate you could ever be with a person is physically. So no, 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 no. And we actually, unfortunately, see that in society today. People will give up their body long before they give up anything else. He said, said, oh, Jesus, we ain't going to go there. That's a whole different story. He said the deepest level of intimacy is being real with somebody. That actually you start off at the level that he called cliches where you tell them stuff they already know. Then you go on to personal facts where you're sharing things about yourself, but it's nothing that they couldn't find out on their own. It's just, this is just where I am. But then you take that risk into, I'm going to actually give my personal opinion. And then the next step is I'm going to share my hopes and dreams. A step further is I'm going to actually share my fears, my failures, my, my weaknesses, my inconsistency. And the deepest level is I'm going to share my needs. I'm going to share the area where I am not enough. Pastor, what are you saying? Here's what I'm saying. If you want deep relationships, you have to invest transparency. You actually have to open your life to a person, uh, this is going to sound crazy, to the level where you can possibly get hurt. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 24. It says, a man that hath friends must show himself friendly, and there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I love this verse. You've heard this verse before. If you want friends, share yourself friendly. As I, was, as I was studying this, I discovered that this is one of the most controversial and most debated verses in all of Scripture. Like, if you read this in different translations, some translation says, says something along the lines of, he that hath many friends will come to a ruin. But hey, there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother with the whole idea of you may have a lot of friends, but they're not real friends. They're not going to have your back. You're looking for that one friend that's going to stick closer than a brother. Other translation says he that shows himself friendly will have many friends, and there is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And I'll, I'll tell you where I fall, and I'm not a theologian, but I'll just tell you where I fall. Here's where they got caught up with the translation is that word shoe in, in the King James, and, and, and in that phrase it speaks about ruin destroy. And the struggle is, if I show myself friendly, I'll have many friends. How did we get the word ruin in there? Here's what I believe that the writer was saying, that until you are able to show yourself to the place where you can get hurt, until you're willing to be transparent enough to the level of you can actually reject me based on the ugly that you see, where you realize that it's not all put together, that I don't have it all under control, that I'm not perfect, that I'm pursuing God, but there's a lot of inconsistencies in me. Here's what it says. Hey, if you're going to be real with people, that's when you're going to have many friends. As a matter of fact, you're going to have people committed to you that are more committed than their own brother. That if you're really going to have deep relationships, you're going to have to make a decision in your mind. This is who I am. I'm not all the way jacked up. I'm not all the way broken. I'm not all the way crazy, but I'm a little crazy. Just on Fridays, you know, when it's a full moon, I got a little twitch in my eyes. And just, <laughs> it's just, I will go there if you, if you push my buttons, if you say it's just right. So you would not believe how many people have known each other for years and you don't know anything about me. You don't really know what my dreams are my fears are, what my insecurities are, what, what my struggles are. Because I'm so, here we go again, insecure that I'm afraid of you rejecting me. 
I'm afraid that if you really see who I am, you're not going to like who I am, so you're going to put me to the side. But here's the thing. We all know phony people even if we don't know what they're being phony about. And we know that this relationship, that, that they're keeping me at arm's level, and I'm going to get in trouble, but I feel like church folks are the best at this. That, oh, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. I didn't ask you how God was. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I didn't ask you how God was. I asked, how are you? Oh, God is good. I know. I'm too blessed to be stressed. That's not true. <laughs> I'm going to get in trouble. I'm keeping my mouth shut. Yes, yes, yes. You, you, you're blessed because of the cross, but you could be more blessed and you look a little stressed. Can you be real with me? How are you doing? And here's why a lack of transparency destroys relationships. This is going to sound so bad, but this is, everybody's selfish. Everybody's thinking about themselves. So, Megan, when you're not real with me, and you keep me at arm's length, and you have this prim proper, this is who I am. Here's what I'm thinking. She's hiding something from me. Maybe she's hiding the fact that she doesn't really like me. You're afraid that they're going to find out that you're not as godly as you are, as you pretend to be. And that last night when you woke up in the middle of the night and stepped on your kid's Lego that you told them to put away, that, that what came out of your mouth was not, thank you, Jesus. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good that you said something else that, that you probably shouldn't say. But they're not concerned about that. Here's the thing, because they're just as human as you are. They're concerned, are you using me? Is there something that you're trying to leverage me for? It's risky, but you actually have to invest the real you. Pastor, somebody, I was getting in trouble. Somebody asked, how do I keep from allowing people to hurt me if I've been hurt before? And that's a hard one. Because the reality is that many of us have been through outrageously painful situations and circumstances. We've been hurt beyond our wildest expectations. They say walk lightly. But if it happens over and over and over and over again from different people that aren't all family or aren't outside of my control, at some point I'm not doing a good job of picking my starting five. And that I need to be maybe a little bit more discerning, a little bit more intentional, a little bit more focused, a little bit more, hey, can you give me some wisdom here on who should I allow into my life? Don't allow the brokenness of yesterday, the pain of yesterday, the hurt of yesterday to keep you from being transparent in your tomorrow because you're going to find yourself by yourself. It's kind of like last time I trusted somebody, I, I, I was hurt, but if I don't trust somebody again... I'm going to end up hurt again. Fourth thing is this, write this down. Love, love beyond your faults. One of the reasons why we're afraid of being transparent with people is because we're afraid of them rejecting us. We're afraid of them seeing that, that we're not perfect and, and, and that we have something wrong with us. So we're like, hey, I'm going to keep you at arm's length because I don't want you to reject me. And here's what we do. We do to other people what we don't want them to do to us. 
The first time you find out something jacked up about a friend or the fact that, 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 that you told them a secret, they didn't keep it or whatever it may be, the first time that it takes place, you're like, oh, you're done to me, you're dead to me or whatever. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. What does that mean? that there is no such thing as perfect people. There are friends that are made perfect for you, and we'll talk about that in a second, but even the perfect friend for you is not perfect. There's no such thing as a perfect spouse. And what happens so often is because we hold ourselves to a standard of, of, of perfection, and we can't show ourselves grace, that we struggle to show other people grace. And the second we see any type of inconsistency in their life, we cut them off. Here's the thing. If you have zero grace for people, you'll have zero people in your life because people need grace. Here's what the Bible says in Luke chapter 6, verse 8. Give, and it will be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will be put into your bosom, for in the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. You can throw up and, and go ahead and throw up the giving slide. These are different ways that you give to Destiny Church because it's offering time, right? Because <laughs> every time I hear the Sierra's like, wait, did we get to that point of service already? Every time I hear this verse, giving will be given back to you. Good measure, pressure down, shaking together, running over. It's like, okay, it's time to give. This is the giving time. This is how we use it. And I'm not saying it's misused in that way, but that verse isn't talking about money. Here's what it says, the verse right before in verse 37. It says, judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give, and then it goes on to say that. In other words, if you show grace for other people, you'll receive grace yourself. Now, there's a balance to this. I'm not saying that you allow toxic people to hurt you over and over and over and over and over again. There's a difference between a character issue and somebody making a mistake. And what's the difference, Pastor? Frequency. <laughs> if it happens every time, over and over and over and over again, give them the Heisman. <laughs> but if it's like, man, I know you told me not to tell anybody, and I really meant not to tell anybody, but I got so excited, and I told them, man, I completely ruined that. Will you forgive me? Hey, I'm going to show you the same grace that I wish I was shown myself. Last thing is this. Trust God for divine connections. Trust God for divine connections. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was 2014. I was sitting in a servant at Destiny Church. One of our overseers uh, was here preaching. And he started preaching about how Everybody needs a, a cut man. You know, cut man, if you're a boxer, you, you, in between every round, you, you go to your corner and there's, there's a guy that he has the Vaseline and, and he kind of fixes your face from the pounding you've taken. And they have water and you have a coach and all that. And he talked about who's your three, who's the people that are in your corner. And he kind of preached kind of the same way I'm preaching right now. He said, hey, if you don't have people in your corner, you'll never fulfill your destiny. And I remember sitting on the front row of my church, I was a senior pastor and I felt this big. Because in that season, forget starting five, forget starting three, I didn't have a starting one. I mean, I had, I had PZ, I had, I had one, I had one, I had one, that was it. It's good to have one, but unless you're playing doubles tennis, you can't get too far with one. And I, I was in a season, and this is just me being really honest, where I kind of outgrew some friends that I had. 
the influence, the responsibility that I had had kind of moved on and the season was just, but I didn't have anybody else in my life and I just sat there and I'm just like, man, this is unbelievable. I don't have anybody that I can say is fully committed to me. As I sat there in that moment and I began to think through it, it went on this process where I realized, well, hey, Stephen, you're not quite the type of person where you would pick on your own team. God began to deal with insecurities in my life. God began to deal with the fact that I wasn't necessarily being transparent and showing myself friendly and all that other good stuff. And I tell you, even as I was working on me, I still didn't see a whole lot of people that were running life the way I was running, pursuing. I'm just like, God, I'm working on me, but I still don't see it. And, and here's what I began to do. I began to say, God, if this is your will, if you don't desire that I be alone, God, you send the right people into my life. And when I tell you in the most absurd way. I remember one of my best friends, I met them on a hunting trip in Alabama. Now, I know you went to school in Alabama, you went hunting and all that other good stuff. Y'all, I ain't a hunter. I don't know if you can tell by my camo outfit today. I, I got blacked out for this message today, but, but I, I don't, actually they, make, they still make fun of me because I went hunting in skinny jeans and some Timberland boots. Because I, I didn't have no camel, I didn't have no clothes, I didn't have no orange or whatever it may be. It was, it was a horrible trip. They had me the shotgun, we were quail hunting. And you know, I, I ain't never shot nothing before in my life. So I have the gun kind of like here, and I just got my phone out. And I'm like taking video. It was, oh man, I've never seen it before. So if you've ever been hunting, at least quail hunting, or the birds are in the bush and the dogs will scare them up. Everybody's lined up, staying in line, because if you ain't going to line, you're going to get Dick Cheney. Don't do that. So we're standing in line. And with, depending on which way the birds go is which way you shoot. So I'm standing there and all the birds start flying my way. And they're like, Steven, shoot. My gun was down here and I had my, wow, look at the birds. You know why they don't pick me on their team. <laughs> but I tell you from that encounter it was probably six years ago. I met brothers that have seen me through the darkest seasons of my life that have been there for me in moments that I didn't even know I needed people there for me and hear me. It was all because God divinely, here's the thing that blows my mind. He knew he was gonna make those connections even while I was sitting on that front row saying, God, I'm by myself. Philippians chapter four, verse 19 says this, and my God shall supply all your need, all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Pastor, I'm single and I just don't see any good men at Destiny Church. Do you really think God ran out of good men? I don't think so. God, I just can't find anybody that's as ambitious as you. I can't find a married couple that's running up. I can't find an entrepreneur. I can't find, do you really think God ran out of people when it was never his will that you would do life alone. Listen to me, anything that you stand in need of, he has. And that doesn't just mean money and it doesn't just mean healing. He has people that are going to have your back, that are going to push you and motivate you and encourage you to be all that God has called you to be. But you have to make a decision. I'm going to do this by faith. I'm not just going to rely on the fact that I'm great and attractive and all those other guys. No, 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 no. God, I'm trusting that you are going to supply all your needs according to your riches and mercies. Can I pray for you? Father God, we're grateful.
God, that you didn't just stop by saying it's not good that man should be alone, but you went on to say that you're the one that puts the lonely in families. God, you take the solitary, and God, you put them in a place of abundance. And God, I'm praying for every single person, God, whether they're in New Zealand, whether they're in Maryland or Texas or wherever, God, that you would connect, that you would bring divine connections like only you can. Right where you are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Lord Jesus, what are you saying to me this moment? Allow God to make this moment personal to you. Maybe in this moment you realize that that I've never actually established a relationship with the one where relationships begin, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That maybe, maybe like the enemy that you know he's God, you've just never known him as Lord, the controller the one that dictates your steps. And God says, I don't want to be a deity that you fear. I want to be someone that's in relationship with you. Matter of fact, this is the place where relationships begin. You say, Pastor, I can't honestly say that I have a real relationship with God. I I grew up in church, but he's always been distanced. Or, or, Or maybe I just didn't even know that God wanted to be a part of my life. I'm telling you, he does, and he's waiting for you to make that decision. Actually, he's waiting for you to get transparent to the level where you say, God, I'm not perfect, but I, I want you if you have me. You say, Pastor, I want a relationship with God the way that you're talking about it. That's you, right where you are. Can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying on the cross so that nothing can separate me. Today I pray that you'd forgive me of every sin, of every mistake. I give you access to my heart, not to who I pretend to be, but I give you all that I am. Be my Lord and my Savior and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen and amen. Come on now. Can you just take a moment?